Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Today's January 4th, 2021. I'm here with my friend Bobby Flood. I'm Jordan Bruno. And this is the Mind Virus Podcast. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to be back. Today, uh, as we mentioned last time today, our subject matter is going to be predictions for 2021. We're going to go out on a limb, throw caution to the wind, and just make predictions baseless predictions baseless allegations baseless theories <laughs> well that's the nice thing about a prediction is uh, it can be as as baseless as we want and there's no uh there's no accountability for when we're wrong right and when we come back in a year from now and look at this tape we can cut out the parts we were right on and publish those as if we were prophetic <laughs> exactly. And, and you, uh, valuable and, and discriminating listeners can go back and republish the rest of the parts where we weren't actually on track. I hope, you know, in looking at some of these things that we've, we've, we've written down and, and have discussed, I hope we're wrong. I hope we're really wrong. Because if we're at all right, this could be a bad year. Well, just the fact that these are the things that are on the table are, uh, just the fact that these things are on the table illustrates how how incredibly bad things have gone how incredibly how the world has taken a turn for for the worse in the last year or two so the format we're going to follow is we're going to try and break this up into two segments we're going to spend about an hour on possible events that are already in the mainstream mind so these are things that we know all of you have have had cross your mind and just kind of go down a list and see if we think some of these things are going to happen and comment on them this year. And then for our second segment, we'll be taking a more freeform approach to prediction and discuss maybe some of these black swan, out of the ordinary possibilities uh, and, and what might, how things might go down in our more warped, actually unwarped, <laughs> uh worldview as to as to what might be going down in in the near future with that i think the big question that's on everybody's mind seeing and and we purposefully decided to boldly hold our podcast today instead of wednesday afternoon or thursday morning after the january the big january 6th electoral college day march on washington day uh, that's going to happen this week, which is, I think it's pretty bold. You know, we could, we could have waited, but the big question of course is, will anything come of the voter fraud? Will the election be overturned because of voter fraud or AKA this question is Trump or Biden <laughs> who, who will be the next president? And, uh, Bobby, what do you think? Is Kamala Harris a possibility for the next president? 
Trump, Biden, or Harris? <laughs> good point. Very good point. For now, we'll limit it to Biden or Trump. Uh, yeah, we could do a whole segment on if Trump this, if Biden that. And right. if, if Biden, then for sure the Kamala Harris discussion factors heavily in. Okay, and getting my uh, prediction on this question out there, and we can discuss, but I think Biden will be inaugurated as the next president of the United States. Okay. I ha- if I was a betting person, and since we, we've set ourselves up to have to do this uh, dichotomy selection, choose, choose one or the other, I would make a small bet, less than $100, and I would also bet that Biden will be the next president of the United States, if I were to bet. If uh, you had asked me this a month and a half ago, I think I might have gone the other way. But the momentum seems to be in his favor from the standpoint of the national narrative. I think the the media narrative, and, and remember our second episode, if you haven't had a chance to listen to our second episode, which I think was December 22nd, we discussed what is real and how the media controls the narrative in our nation and in the world and has an incredible effect on what the actual reality is because it causes people to think that it's the actual reality. So so watching the media try to shape narrative, I think, informs us about where they're headed. And so far, the, it's been overwhelmingly anti-Trump and don't don't listen to anyone talking about any allegations of voter fraud. Every mention of voter fraud, even if you're just talking about some of the legal challenges that the Trump camp is making, uh, if you mention any of that on Twitter, Twitter slaps those tweets with a, a, dis- uh, a disclaimer that says this, you know, I'm looking at one of Trump's tweets from this morning, January 4th at 8.07 a.m., and uh you know, Twitter's got a uh, a claim on there. This claim about election fraud is disputed, and so that just that alone, just putting that that banner on there, puts you know anybody who sees that is going to automatically think that Trump's off of his off of his rocker, that he is, you know, going back to a phrase we've 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 talked about before. He's just spouting baseless conspiracy theories. And we talk a little bit about how conspiracy theory, again, going back to episode two, uh, that term conspiracy theory or conspiracy theorist is just come to mean uh, a crazy person, a person without an, uh, any legitimate point of view or argument. And so, right, the, the media is definitely controlling this, this narrative. Right. And let's, let's talk about the voter fraud for a minute. They, they have gone out of their way to use the terms baseless, unsubstantiated, and um, the word allegations in connection with the voter fraud. And I think, again, if you're watching this, if you're listening to this podcast, you already know that, that the allegations are vast and conspicuous and not baseless. And hopefully we're getting a few people who are new to, new to this conversation and we're helping them to see some of the inconsistencies and, and some of the actual reality here. But just a real quick, we're going to post this on our website 
in conjunction with this website. But there's a there's an article that was on Zero Hedge, uh, December tenth, and it's uh, it's entitled "Everything You Wanted to Know About the Texas Election Lawsuit, But We're Afraid to Ask," and it goes through state by state, and gives you the facts about the vote tally, how many mail-in ballots they received, the percentages that went Democrat versus Republican, and, um, you know, how, how, how different the, the statistics are from a, a normal election when you have a, a, a regular election where there's, there's mail-in ballots, like things, things like, uh, bellwether counties, uh, and, and things like that, things that, that, uh, that have held true almost throughout uh, every election, at least, you know, in the last 50, 60 years since they've been doing this kind of statistical analysis, all of these sort of uh, indicators were there in favor of Trump, and yet Trump somehow loses those, those right. counties and those states. Right. They go through the four main swing states, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin, and they give you the facts on the tallies. They tell you exactly how the states violated their own election laws, which is right. Which is one of what was the most significant thing about the Texas lawsuit was that they were suing because the states had violated their own election laws. And when you see what, what, what the violations of election laws were, they were almost unilaterally the idea that the secretary of state had abrogated signature verification requirements for mail-in ballots and that the, the courts had changed the deadlines for receiving the mail-in ballots and that the states didn't follow uh, their procedures related to opening, counting, and recording mail-in ballots and didn't allow the normal remedies under law to correct or cure defective mail-in ballots. And so it's all related to the mail-in ballots and the fact that these states made they flouted their own laws. And when you look at the laws that they flouted, all of the laws were intended to avoid fraud related to mail-in ballots. So it's as if these states conspicuously decided to allow fraud over mail-in ballots. And then when they, when you see the results, the evidence of fraud, then you can you can see this clearly. All of these these ballots that are contested are clearly in favor of Joe Biden, and they're all in the key counties needed. There's something like six or eight or sixteen counties that are needed to win the United States of America presidential election, and so it becomes clear that if a, a criminal syndicate were focusing its attention on winning the election, they would just need to influence the vote in a few places. And so this is exactly how you would do it. It's a, it's a blueprint. Great article. I think everybody should check it out. But uh, will anything come of that? I mean, tr- so we, we've, kind of, we've kind of made our prediction here. It's, it's going to be Biden. Does that mean nothing's going to come of the voter fraud? Unfortunately, I, I, I don't think anything's going to come of it because that Texas lawsuit was not even reviewed. It went before the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court threw it out without even reviewing it. When that happened, I, that's when I kind of started to think okay, nothing's nothing's going to come of this and Joe Biden will be the next president. Something that I think is worth mentioning and talking about is is a lot more is at stake here than just Trump being the president. Um, this this will throw every future election into uh, into disputed territory. No future election, even local elections can be trusted 
if this if there's no uh, if there's no consequences for for states that create their own election protocols on the fly, which is what happened. Did you did you watch the uh, did you watch Jordan the uh, the election returns uh, in November? Did you watch those live? I only was paying attention on the internet, and I went to bed when it looked like Trump was going to win. About you know uh, midnight Mountain Time. Right. It looked great. The the yeah, I was watching, but the but the media had warned me in advance that it wasn't going to be over that night, and to expect something different the next day. So right, we were we were the 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 field was was seeded with this idea that the the election was going to be disputed. There was even right. a tabletop uh, role play that the Democrats did with with John Podesta playing Joe Biden, I think, and it was mm-hmm. really really bizarre. And you can look that up. This That's is the Transition Integrity Project, right? We'll link to that on mindvirus.show. But I was I was watching and I was kind of flipping around between, you know, Fox and CNN and and the coverage, particularly on Fox, those those anchors, uh, Brett Baer and a few others, they were bored by 8, 9 p.m. Mountain Time because every state uh, was going for Trump. That was that was, that was supposed, supposed to. to go for Trump. And he had won Florida. And it looked really good in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. And they, they were starting to get gloomy. And uh, they, were, they were starting to kind of resign themselves that Trump was going to win this easily. And then something, something strange happened, particularly on Fox News. Did someone come in and hand the Supreme Leader a note? It, it, it had that kind of a feel. It had that kind of a feel where... Things were all going one direction, and then suddenly Fox came out and called Arizona for Joe Biden. Now, Arizona is a western state. Its polls had only been closed for a few minutes, and they called Arizona for Biden. Now, it's one thing to call California or New York or Illinois or, uh, you know, D.C. or Maryland for Biden early because those are Democrat States. Those are states that Democrats usually carry easily. But Arizona is a traditionally red state. And this year, it was kind of known that it was going to be a toss-up state. Arizona's called for Biden really early. Mm-hmm. And immediately, they got a lot of pushback. Fox was getting pushback from other networks. They were getting pushback on the internet. Even in their own uh, little panel, people people were saying, you can't do that. This, this seems really early. And they, they went to the guy. They, they, they literally kind of parted the curtain and pulled this vote stats guy out of the back room. And he said, I, I stand behind this. It's 100% this is going to Biden. Well, how can you say that? We have the best formulas. We have the best. We have boots on the ground. Now, the bizarre thing about this was at that moment, it was, it was at that moment that the counting stopped in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Right. It was as if a flip, a switch had been flipped. The word had gone out. I, I remarked, I was, I was uh, texting with some friends that night that live, one of them lives in North Carolina, one of them lives in Texas, and, and we were texting back and forth, kind of our real-time reactions. And I said, this almost feels like, like Arizona going for Biden is a keyword, that the plan is a go. Because it was so, it was so abrupt. It was so abrupt that I don't I don't recall ever in my lifetime the 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 counting the election counting stopping. 
I remember staying up with, with Bush Gore. Bush Gore was kind of the first election that, that I paid attention to. You know, I was, I was no longer a teenager and I yeah. voted in that election. And yeah. I remember staying up almost, like well into the night because we know what happened in 2000. I'm, and the counting never stopped. There was a recount and recount and recount. And of course, that was all focused on Florida. I've never seen the counting just shut down and stop. In Nevada, too, it stopped. In, in Nevada. And it wasn't even late at night in Nevada. Their polls, I think, were still open. And they did it right about the same time as the other states. It was all within 30, 40 minutes of each other. Everything shut down. And then after that, everything flipped to Biden. Yeah. Hey, guys. Tell them to stop talking. We got a problem here. Just a minute. Just a minute. Wait. Wait for it. Okay. Yeah. New plan. Stop the counting. Right. It, and there's no question that there was community. There was, there was, there was no, there's no way that these different states who are, uh, you assume that these counters and these little county buildings and, and these election centers aren't sort of busy and frantic and and suddenly they all make the same decision at the same time in different states. Now, regardless if there's a, a if if there's legitimate if it was a legitimate Biden victory or not, regardless, this is super out of the ordinary. It's really weird. Right. And we we could do a whole we probably should do a podcast where we detail the not baseless allegations, the vast and copious and obvious and alarming allegations of voter fraud, but that that's been talked about a lot. I think we we would want to take a little bit different angle on it, from just uh, as opposed to just telling you what the allegations are. You can, I mean, right. when you look at when you look at this Texas uh, Supreme Court case article on zero hedge, it's it's in it's like in your face clear. Like any rational person would want to see those issues resolved in those four states, so that they could know that their vote counted equally relative to the to the states of Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, or Wisconsin and Michigan. Arizona's not even on the list, uh, you know, because it's it it doesn't matter as much. But but they would they would want to know that that they had a fair shake in this whole deal. And so that that may be part of the issue is the question is what is what is the narrative though that the um the media is trying to push and why because i think we're we're clearly down the rabbit hole here to the point where we're trying to explain that things are not as they seem and that we should be taking a different a different view of events and so i, I try to explain to people look don't worry so much about what's going to happen look at what did happen and make your projections based on this so it's fun it's fun to speculate oh it's going to be trump or it's going to be biden but once we see what it is and that's the part that's been so aggravating this holiday season it's like i don't know i honestly can't say that i think for sure it's going to be biden because good because it could be trump and that's one thing we should talk about here before we get to these uh um these other questions we have about what's already on the mainstream mind but what are the implications of a biden versus a trump presidency let's let's talk about about that really quick but 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 kind of cap off the voter fraud conversation with this point it is so statistically improbable that biden won that it's not in the realm of improbability it's in the realm of impossibility i mean it's like the 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 they uh the the analysts who have, have looked at this closely would say well, it's it's not just like winning the lottery. It's like winning the lottery four weeks in a row, which 
you got to realize is impossible. There, there's a mathematical principle in statistics that once you cross a certain threshold of improbability, you are now into the realm of impossibility. It's like saying, well, it's unlikely that a person could throw a baseball really far. And so therefore, we're going we're gonna to say the probability is, is low that they can throw this baseball from point A to point B. But there comes a point where the issue changes from them throwing the baseball to a, reason, a reasonable length to the point where it's like the pro- po- probability that a person would be able to throw a baseball from here to the moon. That's how impossible it is. It just is, there, there are no circumstances under which you could find a person capable of it, even though in the realm of possibilities, the possibility exists that Superman would show up and be able to throw the ball sure. to the moon. This, the, statistics is, ha, has these realms where you can make virtual certainties out of a situation. And that's what we have here with the Trump, uh, the voter fraud allegations. And I think, too, it just doesn't pass the eyeball test. 80 you, million if votes? You, if, you, if you consider the, the two different campaigns, if you consider the size of the rallies, yeah. if you consider the... Uh, the low the, energy the, of Joe Biden. The enthusiasm. The fact that uh, he got 80 million votes. That, is, that, that's, more, that's insanity right there. If you understand what that means to get 80 million votes, that's... that's no, no one's ever done that. Not just has no one ever done that. <laughs> but if you look at the statistics, it's all, well, Trump got so what seventy six million votes, which is which incredibly which high. is more than anybody else either. So it was a yeah, so you had the two highest vote. You counts had ever. during a, during a pandemic year, you had the largest turnout in American history, and the candidate that barely left his house and couldn't string three sentences together got an all time record high number of votes. In a year where myriads of people have come to question the narrative coming out of the mainstream media. Given all that, that's why I say Biden will be inaugurated because there's all of this legitimate evidence. We're not even talking about like the Linwood, Sidney Powell kind of release the Kraken stuff. Kraken or Kraken? Kraken, 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 Kraken. We're not even talking about that stuff. We're talking about the more legal the more the, the the more legitimate legal challenges and those went nowhere they went absolutely nowhere and so depending on your view of trump you might look at that and say they shouldn't have gone anywhere because they're baseless or you might be saying it's because the deep state is conspiring to oust trump which they've been trying to do for 4 years well i th- i think it proves how much control these people actually have because like you said, none of it got past the preliminaries with the courts, and they had mountains of evidence in Georgia. I mean, you literally have surveillance video of them kicking people, uh, four poll workers kicking everyone out due to a, an alleged, and this is alleged, and it was proven to be false, water main break. Right. And, and then literally the video camera shows them pulling ballots out from under a table and continuing the count. That is not a baseless allegation. That is clear and direct, indisputable evidence of fraud that would hold up in any court of law, but they've procedurally made it so that the, that evidence cannot be presented in a court of law so that it won't become part of the record. It only can be part of the official record. It can only be part of the main, the, the alt-right crazy conspiracy theory record now because it's getting memory hold by Winston and the and his friends at the memory of truth uh, ministry of truth there's a 
there's a great t- TV series called uh, Narcos. It, there's two uh, different storylines. One is the Colombian cartel with focuses on uh, Pablo Escobar. Mm-hmm. And there's another one with the Mexican cartels. And in the in the Mexican um, uh, storyline, there's an election, and there's a there's a great scene where so they're using they're using software for 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 like the first time. This was taking place in the 80s. And there's this, uh, you know, the cartel needs to control the president. And the president that they needed to control wasn't going to win the election. And on election day, he's losing bad, the guy that they need to win. And so they show up to this uh, computer terminal where there's this poor little, you know, tech guy who runs the software. He's the only guy in the whole country who understands the software. And they just tell him to change the votes. And basically, they point a gun at him, tell him to change the votes. And there's also this great scene in, in, in uh, you know, uh, simultaneously where all over the country, uh, everyone's just adding zeros. The vote counters are adding zeros to the total of the candidate. And it's just this, <laughs> it's this great, uh, you know, election fraud scene that plays out. And of course, the president that wasn't supposed to win wins in a landslide and it sparks you know a lot of riots because people despite what the news media might tell you people are not stupid people can see when something doesn't add up they can see that how big bobby do you think the rally is going to be on wednesday so there's a uh there's a planned rally in in Washington, D.C., a a Trump rally on January 6th. I think it's going to be big. How many millions of people? A million? Two million? I would say something like around one, one million. million? That's a lot of people to fit there into into D.C. I mean, we're talking about orders of magnitude, not orders of magnitude, but bigger than the anti-Trump rally after his inauguration this uh, four years ago. You're going to be listening listening to this after that happens. They're going to say there was 100 people there. The news will the news will report there were a hundred people. And here, here's a little side prediction. I think that Antifa will will be there, and I think there'll be some violence. I, I I'm worried about that. Okay. There's been there's been some Trump rallies, post election Trump rallies in D.C. And Antifa, there's videos out there on the internet of Antifa harassing Trump supporters, even even harassing. There's one where a guy is is physically and verbally harassing a, an older couple like yeah. a, a completely but this, uh, defenseless target this is going to be on the fringe though because there's going to be massive waves of people there right i mean i know people that are going yeah it's people are flying in Do you know anybody that's going i know people that want to go i don't think they're okay. going to be able to make it but but, okay. but on on you know twitter and things people are saying i'm i'm flying in from from the x i'm flying in from y and yeah people are going to be there yeah yeah i think it's it's a uh, a really significant issue and the question is how big of a presence the fascist anti-fascists are going to make we get to come up with a new name for antifa fat fantifa it's really fantifa fascist anti-fascists but uh it, it's really uh, it's mind-blowing i mean they're supporting a fascist agenda the marriage of corporation and state <laughs> And uh, anyway, uh, so so your prediction is uh, big violence, little violence. What do you think? 
I don't. I, I think fringe violence. It's going to be fr- on the fringe. fringe. I don't think violence. they're going to be able to. Well, that, that's a good question. Is there going to be like a false flag? Are they going to be? Are well, they going to be dressed thing. up like Trump supporters and defacing? Uh, I think know, that'll be harder to pull off, um, because it 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 flies in the face of the behavior of these these rallies have been taking place all year yeah. all over the country, and there hasn't been really any problems. Um, so they're going to depend on the mainstream news to tell what really happened probably right and it, it's it'll definitely be be labeled a super spreader event because that's <laughs> that's still, how we that, that's how we label that's them still on the table covid isn't gone away when 20, 2021 ticked over on the clock by the way did you happen to see there was an article uh that came out just the other day about the graffiti on nancy pelosi's garage how they had taped it didn't say this but i've done a lot of painting and it appeared they had taped the bricks right so i that saw they, that so that I, they didn't get any paint on the bricks they didn't do that to mitch mcconnell's house they painted on the bricks on mitch mcconnell's house but maybe they painted with water soluble paint i don't know i saw the I'll, photos we'll link that, that have, on the, uh, that have the vertical lines where the paint abruptly ends yeah. and picks up down you know totally yeah because you, you gotta realize obviously it's, taped it's easy to repaint wood and and plastic and uh, fascia aluminum and stuff like that but it's hard to get paint out of porous brick right and so I think maybe just Nancy Pelosi wanted an excuse to get a new garage door. I think Nancy did it herself. I don't, I don't know. She she's got people. Enough. She's she got people have, for she that. She wouldn't have taped it. She had her nephew Gavin Newsom probably did it. Gavin's out there with the spray can. It's California. That's what they know. Um, anyway, I think that's interesting. We've already had a false flag occur, and that is clear from the Nancy Pelosi garage. <laughs> that's just. <laughs> I mean indisputably clear yeah they were very polite vandals yeah thoughtful very thoughtful okay so what uh bobby what are the implications of uh a trump presidency let's talk about that first because if um and and we're gonna have to quickly run through (laughs) some of this other stuff i don't know do here's here's something we need to know from listeners listeners you need to give us some feedback do you like long podcasts or short podcasts I'd like to know that because, man, we can talk and talk and talk. We can. <laughs> but uh, what, what do you think? Implications of a Trump presidency. If Trump, okay, l- l- not even a Trump presidency, but if on the 6th it looks like that things are going to go Trump's way, that there's really going to be action on the the voter fraud issue, and it looks like he, well, he has a path to the presidency. You can look at this in two ways. Uh Policy-wise, we, we kind of know what we're going to get out of Trump, right? He's Policy-wise, he's been pretty vanilla, if you ask me, over the last four years. Yeah, sure, but you know that's not what I'm asking. Because right, if he... right. <laughs> so if, this, if it looks like he's going to retain the White House, it will be... It already has been. His, his legal challenges have already, already have been kind of labeled as a, a coup or... Um, uh, even even Republicans like Mitt Romney have called it a, a threat to democracy and things like that. And if you're on the <laughs> if you're on the same side as Romney, you might want to reevaluate where you're standing. Oh my gosh! But so if this appears that he's going to retain the White House, the next four years, we thought we thought the last four years were bad with uh, attempts to d- discredit Donald Trump. I think it's going to get far worse, far worse. 
to the point where um, I don't know if he'll even be able to carry out the term. Okay, so, okay, here's my my thoughts on this because what what I'm seeing in the the eighth grade level average propaganda outlets like KSL uh, out here in Utah. These are these are the um, the mouthpieces of the state. We're finally realizing that they are just fully bought and paid for by the corporate state combination. In the last couple of days, so this last week, I've started to see them mention that Republicans are going to contest the election. And so there is a possibility that they will, uh, because the, the issue is not what exactly happens. I mean, what, what, what really happens is important to, to a lot of us. But the thing that determines where we go next has to do with how they formulate the narrative. I think that's how we can anticipate where the oligarchy is headed by what the what narratives and the nuances of the narratives that the corporate their corporate uh, propaganda outlets push to indoctrinate the public. And so they're starting to just tell people that the Republicans are going to dispute it. And so I think they're if they do go with a Trump presidency, they will uh, the narrative is going to look like this, that Trump act uh, Trump. Um, uh, belligerently bullied the Republican establishment to, to take his side and that uh, extreme right forces in control of the Republican Party caused uh, a constitutional crisis and they, at the last minute, stole the election back. So you've already got the narrative of an election steal on the right and people who stop are... Stop the steal. Yeah, stop the steal. You've already got a lot of... Uh, half of the country already thinks the election is stolen. So if you really wanted to create a crisis immediately, all you need is for the other half to think it's stolen. So both halves believe that the that the election is stolen. And so if there is a Trump presidency, I think the country descends into violence very quickly. There's a theory out there I've seen in two two different places kind of kind of... Uh, laid out in detail and the theory is that the oligarchy wants the United States to descend into a sort of civil war whether that means like a like a traditional war or just a just a, a a state of chaos and violence and uncertainty the best way that they can do that is Donald Trump Donald Trump plays the heel if you want to use the wrestling analogy of uh, the KFOB and D Donald Trump is the heel, the villain that makes the hero look look good. It's Hulk Hogan versus The Undertaker. Uh, right. We got to post an article on KFABE. KFABE? What do you, how, do you, how do you say it? KFABE? 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 I don't know. It's a, it's a Japanese term, if I remember right. And it's used a lot in wrestling, pro wrestling. Pro wrestling, everyone knows is fake, and yet we still get into it. We still cheer, and we and we. There's some uncertainty as to who might win. Well, mm -hmm. we always know. Sometimes they twist it on us, right? They. they you know, that's by the way, Donald Trump has done pro wrestling. Yeah, he he He's did. He's a reality he, TV show actor prior to this. He. Uh, I was just going to say Vince Mc, Vince McMahon is a is a great entertainer, and Donald Trump actually body slams Vince McMahon, and and it's a great piece of fun. entertainment. Um, but the idea here is that using a Republican president, they can... As the heel. As the heel. They can, they can, they can basically uh, implement 
martial law. They can implement all kinds of liberty-stealing policies and then blame it on not just Trump, but blame it on Trump supporters and say, this is what you get when you have right-wing people in the country. This is their fault. This is what you get. Right. They would essentially foment the violence through the fascist, anti-fascist, Antifa group or other enraged leftists and then invoke martial law because everyone would be screaming for it because of the anarchy going on, kind of similar to this summer in the big cities. And then that, they would say, well, you wanted this. I think, I think the summer was a little bit of a, a kind of a, a dress rehearsal. Yeah, dry so, run. Think about pre, before Donald Trump ran for president in 2016. So go back to, say, 2014, before all the campaigning started. He was not a hated figure in American uh, culture. He was he was known as uh, a reality TV star. He had a very that popular show, The Apprentice, right? Yeah, he was known as being a. He was. Uh, what, what would you call him? Uh, not, I don't want to say pompous or bloviating. <laughs> he was he was known as being a, a flamboyant billionaire. Yeah. That's the word. And he he had a lot of cameos in movies and TV shows. He was friends with uh, all the same people that that claim to hate him now. He was friendly with the Clintons. He oh was, yeah, they're, he those was are a, famous pictures of him at their uh, or them at his wedding. He was a, a famous, or, or he was uh, he was popular with the news media. It wasn't until he started running for president that somehow he became this this uh, this loathed, hated uh, uh, figure that that right. literally causes people to scream in the street. Those are some of my favorite post-2016 election videos. But the question the question, and the thing that I'm getting at is that he's always been kind of, like, like Jordan said, he's always been a bit pompous, right? But he was never loathed like this. He never, he never, he never elicited these responses that, that you get from people now. And I think that's all part of the of, of the act to turn him into this figure so hated by so many people that they will now believe that he is capable of this kind of military uh, overthrow that that they keep telling us that he's capable of. Right. What What's amazing is when you um, talk to people who are even conservatives who've been listening to the mainstream media, they'll say things like. Well, I I just don't like Trump. I don't like his. Why don't you like him? Well, I don't like his tweets. Oh, which tweets? Well, I just don't like his tweets. Or uh, you know, he's just so. Uh, had had one person tell me, well, he's just so coarse and unrefined and unfit for the public discourse. And it's like, oh, what did he say? Well, no, he's just like they they aren't actually listening to Trump they're listening to what the media says about him or how they cut him and i you know i'm not a big fan of his the way he delivers things and and some of the stuff he says but if you listen to him in context he's not a bad guy it's not like he's saying anything outlandish and uh one of the things that uh people like to bring up is that Trump won the white house because he was such a an astute media personality he was just like a shock jock like a howard the howard stern of politics and that got him all of this free free media time, and the the media or the establishment couldn't help but give him that that um, attention attention, and therefore he won the presidency, which is just completely incompatible 
with how they've handled other people they didn't like. For example, Ron Paul, 2012. We know from that episode how they handle someone they don't like, and that is they simply ignore them. Mm -hmm. Gary Johnson had the same treatment in 2016. Just completely erased from existence. There were uh, news reports where they would be talking about the winners of caucuses and say, you know, I forget who was running, uh, Huckabee, number one, uh, number three, Mitt Romney, number four, somebody. They would literally skip that Ron Paul was even in the... Didn't Ron Paul win Iowa? Yeah. And they just erased that they from just, memory? It's like, we're not even going to talk about this person because if you look the at Iowa Ron caucuses. Paul, if you look at how solid his principles are, you might actually come to the table for him. That actually happened to me. I didn't know much about Ron Paul back then. And I was watching the GOP debate. And I... I I was with some relatives and I, I kind of looked around the room and I said, I, every, everything this guy says makes a lot of sense. And they said, it all makes sense, but he's crazy. <laughs> it, that's, that's incredible mind control. And again, go back to our second podcast episode, Mind Control of the Masses. It is incredible that we have people who are willing to say that about a, a medical doctor. I mean, they're literally censoring Ron Paul from Twitter, who is a medical doctor, yeah, his, over statements that he almost made about COVID. He his, didn't even make about COVID. His videos, uh, YouTube. YouTube, by the way, has recently even tightened their their policy, uh, especially when it comes to coronavirus. And you basically can't say anything on YouTube that isn't... Well, what they say is you, you can't say anything that isn't kind of in line with the, the WHO, but the WHO doesn't know what their own policies on this are. They've, we the mentioned, WHO is not in line with the WHO. They've, just a quick side note, they've, for a third time, they've uh, redefined herd immunity. So we talked about that in a previous episode. They've now oh, really? gone back and they've... What is it now? Well... Is it among they elephants, say, zebras? They, they say that... So what they did is they had a pretty traditional definition of herd immunity, right? Then they eliminated the natural part of it, the natural spread of viruses and, and how people built defenses to only being vaccine uh, yeah. facilitated. Right. The new one acknowledges that it can happen naturally, naturally, but says it is irresponsible and dangerous to have a virus spread through the public. And so therefore vaccination is the only safe way to achieve herd immunity, which is more insane than just eliminating the natural part of it, because you, you, as we've well learned, you cannot control the spread of a virus. Right. Anyway, that's a small. Okay. So note. yeah, kind of off on a, on a uh, tangent here, but uh, the implications of a Trump presidency, I think are immediate violence, immediate destruction of the institutions. And, and that would be intentional that the oligarchy intends to bring the house down quickly. The stage is set. We know now from 2020 that how easy it is to to shut down everything. And the only thing we didn't have in 2020 was were tanks in the street. Yeah. I have I have plenty of friends who are Trump supporters who don't like my opinion on Trump and what I just explained about how his ascendancy to the presidency. They don't see him as as an, a nefarious character. I'm not saying that he's intentionally nefarious. He, I just don't think that he's the, um, the type of leader that's going to be able to pull America out. I, there's a lot of conjecture about that, and I think we need to recognize that that's not going to happen. If he is elected, that this is not going to end well. I think it ends with the splitting of the United States into regions, potentially foreign troops in the streets. 
uh, but that could also happen with a, a Biden presidency. It's just that if 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 Trump is if Trump, it appears that he's going to take uh, re- retain power. I think that happens sooner rather than later, and the narrative will be um, one where the idea is that the conservatives use the mechanisms of government to destroy the country via martial law to put down this rebellion of leftists. But the, the flip side of that, and maybe I'm too dire here. Maybe, maybe, I I don't know. We've talked a lot. So I'll take the first shot here at the implications of a Biden presidency. And I think the Biden presidency has similar implications. It's just the manner in which they occur. And what a Biden presidency does is that it unifies the right who the the Republican base or the the what we would call conservatives and I don't we don't have to give this disclaimer every time but we think the definitions are all messed up I think Bobby you'd agree with that right for sure yeah the uh, conservative liberal etc cetera, etc cetera. but anyway we're gonna call them the, the the modern conservatives the right they um, will then become unified they'll be able I mean the Biden presidency gives them. Uh, a, an enemy against which to unify, just similar to the way the Tea Party formed with Barack Obama, except that this time the stakes are higher, the energy's higher, and there. Then you have the, uh, in a legal sense, you have the conservatives looking like the villains, and so the left can then try to clamp down on this right wing, homegrown terrorism, whatever it is that beca- begins to spread, and that could also create civil war. I think in a Biden presidency, in a way. we'll probably see some new um, Ted Kaczynski types be drummed up, um, Branch Davidian types. See, it's going to take a while for the right to coalesce into action, for a, a right-wing style Antifa thing to happen. The pr- they want to make they want to make the Proud Boys out or the Oath Keepers out as if they're the the. Uh, juxtaposition against Antifa. And I don't think those are fair comparisons. I think that there's so much more rationale in these uh, longer standing militia groups that they're not going to go off half cocked. They're going to be well, that's very why, careful. That's why I say these types will be drummed up because they're just, they're just, well, they're, they're patsies. So we're talking they're just about, created. so a Biden presidency means false flag attacks. False flags um, that will be blamed on, on people uh, like you, people that are listening to this. Middle-aged white men. Yeah. I also think that regardless if it's Trump or Biden, the Republican Party is the Republican Party as we know it is done. It's done. There are too many conservatives who are fed up with people like Mitch McConnell, Mitt Romney, uh, sort of this limousine Republican. Meaning they they won't ever be able to get a majority. They'll they'll continue to exist, but they with the Mitt Romneys and the McConnells, but they will then become a fragmented uh, group so right. we're, so we're descending in more into more of a european socialist system where you have multiple parties who have to build coalitions we might be I, there's there's talk of there's always talk of a third party but this feels maybe more legitimate of something called the patriot party basically it's the the trump style uh conservatives are saying we've been completely abandoned by the the establishment right the establishment republicans so you're kind of painting a picture where where business continues to go on in a in a seemingly normal fashion and i i am 
far more apocalyptic in my, and I'm not sure if that's really where you're at, but in my opinion, I think this is more apocalyptic of a scenario. Like I, it, it, it appears to me that the corruption in America is so pervasive and that the, the corporate, uh, multinational corporations appear to own both the body politic and the media in such a, an incredibly, uh, effective control mechanism that, we we are not going to to see uh, a situation where people have effect in politics, and so therefore they're going to figure that out pretty quickly. And this descends into chaos. Well, it might be that that the splintering of the Republican Party is a precursor to this, because somebody I don't think that the people who are saying I want to be part of this Patriot Party, they're also the type of people who might be okay with with uh, a fragmented regionalized us i'm trying to think of a good uh, a good scenario in literature i'll have to, I'll have to come back to that it's not red dawn <laughs> there was a movie with vin diesel in it where he lived in russia and then he had to break back into the united states i'm trying to remember the name of that one triple x no <laughs> that's the first vin diesel movie that came to mind uh, other fast, than fast the, and other than the 13 fast and furious there's, yeah 17 <laughs> And they're still racing. They're still <laughs> down that runway. They've been fast and furious <laughs> for a long time. Yeah. Uh, is it called Babylon AD, or is that the one with John Travolta? I think that's a Travolta movie. Okay. We well, both we're, we're both look, sitting here at the internet at our fingertips, and, and we're not even looking are... at it. I'm looking it up. But okay, so talk about Biden presidency. It's more of a slow burn, but I think that they have to do something big in the next year. They can't allow it to land at the feet of Biden and the left and the socialism, because that seems to be part of the one of the main aspects of the control grid. They need to uh, place this squarely at the feet of the conservatives of traditional America, the Trump presidency and coronavirus, okay, and the hidden enemies, right, and all the old enemies, but they can't let it fall on Biden, so therefore we we have to have it occur sooner rather than later. So I'm seeing I'm seeing crisis. A Biden presidency invites new and interesting crises, unless and, they do let it fall on Biden in order to remove him and install Harris. Yeah, but they're cut from but the same cloth. I think they cloth. can. They are, and I think they can do that if they want to do that. They can do that easily with a, a health problem. Because I think Biden actually has legitimate health problems. And I think the, you know, we talked about seeds being planted. I think the seed is being planted for that with with Hunter Biden, actually. Because after the election, more recently, there's been a little bit more mainstream uh, uh, scrutiny about what Hunter Biden's been up to. The movie was Babylon AD, by the way. The interesting okay. show about the dichotomy between Russia and the United States and the control grid that existed in the United States and how corrupt it was and people wanting to destroy it. And if you Google up ter- terrible John Travolta movie, the one that we were thinking of is Battlefield Earth. Have you ever seen Battlefield Earth? Yeah, and, and the, 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 the great tragedy... The great tragedy of Battlefield Earth is that it's based on a pretty good book. Well, the the big picture of Battlefield Earth is quite significant relative to conditions here on the Earth. An uh, an alien race that uh, comes down, well, an oligarchy here that 
using their superior technology manages the resources of earth in a corporate fashion very interesting terrible if you can make it through that kudos to you but very 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 interesting show who will win the georgia runoff who will control the senate this is a tough one um my gut tells me that the Democrats are going to pull it off the same way they've pulled off all this other stuff. Okay, if I had to bet, I would, and I would bet less than $100 because it's such a toss-up, I would bet the Republicans. Okay, 2021, will we have World War Three start during 2021? This is a trick question. Bobby, what do you think? Well, no, because it's already started. Dang it, you got it. <laughs> of course. I think it started... A long time ago, actually. I think we know for sure it started, in my opinion, with coronavirus because uh, war... I think it went public with coronavirus. Okay, because here's, here's my, my comment on war. We always think war is between nations, but we have to recognize war is between the oligarchy and the people. And what we're, what we're seeing here is this acceleration of the war between the oligarchy and the people as they attempt to take greater control. If, if you don't recognize the multinational influences, the supranational corporations and the things that uh, um, are uh, really asserting influence in this world by now, I'm sorry, you're, you're missing the point. And we're, we're, we're losing this war, by the way. It's a, it's a people, fourth generation warfare. I, I have a friend in the, uh, in the military who says, we're always fighting the last war. So, you know, at 9-11 with the terrorists, they were fighting the Cold War, and now we're fighting the terrorism war. And he makes a good point, but I don't think he's thinking high level enough. The, the war is occurring in a fourth generation, asymmetric, psychological way, and it has been for a while, and in an economic way. And so that's what we've seen. Uh, and I think World War III has already started. Are we going to witness an economic collapse this year? Yes, in the sense that um, the stock market's going to take another an, another dive. We may have another kind of bubble crisis, whether that's universities or student loans or another housing. I think we're going to see something like that. Are, are you meaning something more lasting? Well, that's a good a good question is what does economic collapse mean because these these past ones take a look at the just the the march 2020 stock market collapse right it was its biggest one day drop in history and now and it only took maybe three or four months and everything was pumped right back up to where it was right and that's what's so weird about this so because we could say that the coronavirus caused an, an economic collapse similar to uh 2008 lehman brothers right but it's been different. And so did we already have the collapse? Are we going to witness another leg down on in that magnitude? We're talking 2008 magnitude or worse. Or are we going to just kind of bump along? And I, that means, so, so what that means is that the mainstream has to recognize it as a collapse, I not, think, not just that it's already I happening what, behind the scenes. I think what we might see are, yeah, some of those things, you know, these stock market um, where the bottom falls out, and then it just gives the people in charge and controlling all of that the opportunity to, to sell short before it happens. Further consolidate and, their positions. And then to then buy up everything at, at pennies on the dollar. But I think what we're also going to see through 2021 and perhaps uh, in, into 2022 as well is the long-lasting consequences of a whole year so far of of economic suppression, of small businesses being being destroyed of okay. uh, even medium-sized businesses with the covid 
closures and all of these accommodations. Uh, I saw a, a story the other day that as many as 10,000 restaurants in Canada are gone forever. Uh, I've seen similar alarming numbers in just like New York City, where mm-hmm. there's thousands of restaurants and they'll never reopen that are closed forever. Yeah. Um, do you do you ever listen to uh, a woman named Catherine Austin Fitz? Do you know who she is? No. Catherine Austin Fitz was the Undersecretary of Housing and Urban Development under um, Bush one and part of the Clinton years, and she became a consultant and. Um, she was attacked by the establishment. They tried to throw her in jail for her bringing to light certain certain massive uh, channels of cash flow that were un, uh, it was undesirable for them to have those come to light. And they tried to bury her and, and uh, put her in jail. She writes a, um, a financial slash socioeconomic political newsletter called the Solari Report. And they do things like they studied the incidences of riots and they found that the, the in there were like 37 cities where there were uh well not i can't remember exactly how it went there are 37 cities in the united states where there's a federal reserve bank or branch like a main bank or branch and in 33 of those cities there were antifa black lives matter riots in 2020 in 2020 yeah so she and then she goes and she looks at the proximity of those riots to the Federal Reserve banks, and then she, so what she determined was she realized that it, it appears that the rioting looked more like a real estate acquisition plan in big picture rather than a dis, uh, than an uncoordinated, spontaneous, or, or spontaneous organic riot. Right. And that, and what what's going on is you have all these business owners who have been damaged by coronavirus response policy and by the riots, and therefore they're going to have to abandon their businesses, the real estate the people that own that real estate are going to um, have to sell it cheap. And who's going to buy it up? The tech oligarchs, the well, people who have the money right now. Who, who's been getting all the money? Why, who's been getting rich this year? Think about uh, Manhattan. There is a ton of very nice office space that is empty in New York City. Right. So her, her point, and we'll link to this video. She's watching them set up the foundation for their cities of the future where they in- institute their total control grids, where they own everything. And just like the World Economic Forum said, you own nothing and you're happy. We've seen in, in, in 2020, we've seen really the, the, the intellectual collapse of every major institution in the United States. So these institutions have all lost credibility and trust from whether it's government, whether it's corporate media, whether it's corporate, uh, just just corporations in general, whether, you know, that's that's tech companies, that's pharmaceutical companies. We're even seeing that the destruction of trust in the traditional medical uh, establishment, the hospitals and doctors with dancing nurses and, and doctors who are using coronavirus to enrich themselves and who are so clearly wrong about what's going on in the world with with the virus they're doing this to to enrich themselves and to to become wealthy and we're not not talking about money we're talking about control using and, money and and and, and resources right. as control and i i've had this thought kind of nagging at me recently that these institutions these these sort of pillars of of modern society are being eroded enough to where the oligarchy can then come in and institute new and better ones that 
And they will they will say, now you can trust us because we know those other ones, they let us all down. Yeah, but this is trustworthy. Right. And and the idea that they would need real estate for that didn't ever really occur to me, but it makes perfect sense, especially when you think of the places that have been most devastated by this are really uh, desirable places for office space to exist, like New York City. Martial law or biomilitary medical military police state, either one. We You've got full-on martial law from the right if Trump wins and institutes that or whatever, or the biomilitary medical police state. How far is that going to get? What do you think? What are your predictions? If, here? if Trump retains office, I don't think he, I don't think he has the appetite for that. He, he was kind of baited into that in Seattle with the, you remember the Chaz and I think some, some stuff that went on in Portland and he resisted that. I think I'm, I'm speculating. Well, if um, the, I think he's a, a creature of uh, peer pressure in a lot of ways. Sure. And so if, if the narrative switches, which it ha- is prone to do, I think he would institute it if p- everyone around him I starts think, clamoring I think for where it, if we, the people start clamoring for it. I think where it. we're most likely to see it is in the big, the big cities, the bigger cities, especially the very con- uh, condensed cities like, like a New York City or maybe maybe like a downtown Chicago. Anywhere that they would be rioting if Trump were to appear to be winning, uh, right? Taking. I don't think we're re- going to see it power. in 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 you know rural America yet. No. Uh, it's harder to implement there. And, and I, what's going to be really interesting if things really start to heat up is at what point, if any, do the individual police and military soldiers and and officers do they stop following orders? Right. Where's their line in the sand? So what about the biomilitary medical police state? That's more of a, if Biden wins, mask mandates. Mask mandates. Masks are never going away. Mask woman dates. Masks, they, we may, the mandates may, may go away, but masks are not ever going to go away. Just from the fact that people have been so mentally and emotionally broken by this, that I think there'll be people who never feel safe in public again without one. Uh, but I think what we will see are uh, proof of cleanliness, proof of health in order to travel, especially internationally. Um, I think we're going to see maybe a new sort of category on a driver's license that that proves we've been vaccinated or um, some other sort of proof that we're not plague spreaders. Which which is going to eliminate completely you, our, our medical privacy. Do you think like we're we're talking most likely case of how reality develops? Do you think we've got that much time for that kind of a police state to develop where they literally get it on your driver's license? Or maybe gonna... not on the driver's license, but I think there's already talk of of a, a medical or a vaccination card. I've seen prototypes yeah. floated. Yeah, but I guess what I'm trying to say is, like I think that they're there's this situation for, uh, building up for anarchy, for a significant war, for significant violence. And of course, the controllers want to implement that. Will it actually get to that point? I think they have to have the violence occur first because I don't right. think we're going to willingly... Well, a lot of us are... I keep seeing articles, and they're definitely in the alternative media, but uh, like 50% of healthcare workers in California don't want to take the vaccine. Because, right. You know, so, so the rollout, in, in spite of the massive... In spite of the ma- massive marketing, there, there's this pushback. Okay, gun confiscation. Are they going to be able to pull that off this year? Or what are they going to do? Is it a... Is it a I'll t- let me take that one first. I, I think that uh, they got to have a big event, a massive conflagration, a war, civil war, 
I think that's what's going to be uh, required to pull that off in the United States of America. They may pass a few. If, if things if things don't take an immediate turn for the worse, whether under Trump or Biden, you may see a few uh, token attempts at gun control, but I don't think they can get that done. No, I, I don't think so either. I think I think at this point they may just use it to their advantage, knowing that so much of the population is armed, they get those people riled up. Those people might start firing those weapons at other people rather than the targets and the clay pigeons and the animals that they normally shoot. Right. So just rather than dissect this one, let's just say don't give up your guns under any circumstances. Never, ever, ever give up your guns. Anybody that says it's okay to take your guns, they don't care whether you live or die. That's, right. that's like saying, I don't care if you die tomorrow. Well, look at, we, all we need to do is look at Australia and New Zealand. Both of those nations gave up their gun ownership. Australia literally had people piling up their guns in the streets in this symbolic submission. And those, those two countries have been absolutely decimated by COVID policies. Okay, last prediction here. Last question. The pandemic. New? Are we going to have a new pandemic? What do you think? What What is? What's the situation? I'm just going to summarize our our friend Bill Gates, who said, "This is pandemic one. Pandemic two will be a lot more dangerous." And that happens 2021. I don't think this one ends in 2021 in any sense of of got to get dragged out. Real finality because of the the it's proven far too useful. And the, even just on local levels, there's these, these little uh, COVID celebrities that this has created in Utah. The power it's given people like our county commissioner who, who gets to, you know, create mask mandates at will, at, on a whim. Or even our new governor who's being inaugurated as we record. He, he's, he loves the mask. He wears one with the state of Utah seal on it. And dun, 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 I don't know the words. It's in Russian. He just, yesterday was a Sunday and he, he went. Sorry. Okay. Go ahead, Bobby. I'm sorry. It's fitting. It's, he's, he's going to be a very strange governor because he's, He's about our age. He's in his mid-40s. And he is a strange person. He's a weird person. He, uh, yesterday was a Sunday, and he was very, he, he's very active on Twitter. And he, he went on this interfaith freedom fireside tour, he called it. And so he went to these different faiths, these different denominations. And I, I don't know if he spoke at them or not. But he had a little media crew, and there's a lot of photos, and he's suited up, you know, in his empty suit, and and of course his mask in every <laughs> picture, and it's it's. I just thought, who who gets a media crew to follow them around to church? Church is not supposed to be a public relations uh, footstool. Right. Well, you you mentioned this to me before, and maybe you can elaborate on it. But have we not descended into the realm of high school politics? And isn't that an appropriate analogy? Because you have the politicians who are essentially puppets and uh, Spencer Cox embodies that. I mean, empty suit, you just said it. it we're, we really are going to have to make take better effort to make sure we're not discovered because now we're <laughs> saying mean things about well, something that hits close to home. When but, you're the governor, you're going to face criticism. But it's like a high, it's like high school here where you, there are bigger forces at play that control the situation. And then you have a 
pol- then you have a political campaign that's based on popularity, and, and then and then a, a largely symbolic. He reminds executive. me. He reminds me of a student body president that thinks because he's the student body president that everyone in the school thinks he's awesome, but really and they're, and everybody they're paying attention to what he's doing. But really, everybody thinks he's a dork. That's kind of the vibe I get from him. And there's a puff piece about him in the local uh, Deseret News, is the local paper. And a very bizarre thing is is mentioned. And and, and he uh, he grew up in a small town in Utah. Actually, uh, I, I love the San Pete Valley. This is where uh, Spencer Cox grew up. Uh, really nice valley, little rural valley with great mountains around it. But anyway, he returned home from his LDS mission. This is all in the Desert News article. I'm not, I don't have any information on this guy. I've never met him. And uh, as is common in LDS culture, he had a girlfriend, right? And uh, she was from a neighboring town. This San Pete Valley has a few really small farm towns that are sort of separated by seven or eight miles. And she, um, she also had another interest. And so she was basically trying to choose between Spencer and this other unnamed gentleman. I don't, they don't name him in the article. And she was ready to dump Spencer <laughs> and had him over, invited him over to the house to, to break up with him and to let him know that she was going to pursue a, a future with this other guy. And this was in the 90s, okay? And... Spencer uh, got into a conversation with his wife's dad, his, and they were talking politics. And this was the Clinton years. It, it, it specifically mentions that for some reason. And she was kind of standing afar off and witnessed this. And that was the moment she knew that actually she needed to stick with Spencer, was watching him talk politics with her dad. And I thought that that's so bizarre. Who, who says I knew the moment, the moment I knew he was the one for me was when he had that hot take on Bill Clinton. Well, <laughs> what is going on? This is why I think these people are super weird. They're not healthy. Well, maybe she saw in him the, the potential, which he's definitely fulfilled here in politics. Uh, psychologically, they've studied this and I guess we could we could find some sort of source to corroborate this, but on average, men are attracted to the hourglass sure. figure, the womb, and women are attracted to status and uh, social status. And so she, it's that subconsciously that could be why it might be. But anyway, if you've listened this long, you're really looking forward to, ver- to section two. Anything else you want to wrap up on? No, I think that covers all of the obvious ones. Uh, in our next segment, we'll, we will continue to pontificate aimlessly, endlessly on a variety of subjects that may or may not come to fruition, but it will all be discussion of what might happen in the future. Thanks for listening to this first segment. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>